Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, everybody. I am here again with Dr. Anthony Bean. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. How about yourself? Excellent. I had uh, I had really hoped our, our follow-up would be an in-person chat. Uh, and while we did cross, cross paths at PAX East, I think uh, in-person anything is kind of out the window for a while. So <laughs> we're back doing yeah. it over the internet, which means there's the awkward delay. We're going to end up talking over each other at some point. So I'm just going to apologize right here at the beginning to everybody listening. It's going to happen over the internet. It's nothing, no way around that. So <laughs> It'll happen. We'll be fine. So I, I do want to start out by saying that the last uh, the last podcast that we did together, I was so excited for, and I my energy was through the roof, and I had so many questions to ask you, but I didn't want to talk your ear off for four hours, and I also didn't want to bother the listeners for four hours. So I ended up being so hyperactive that when I listened back to the interview, it's it really is, it shows how good of a psychologist, psychiatrist you actually are, because I wasn't even finishing complete thoughts, and I was moving on to the next question, and you totally got what I meant. So I think that was, that was the interview I was one of the most excited for. Uh, it went well because of, of your ability to decipher my, my weird babbling, but it was by far my most embarrassing interview. <laughs> <laughs> So, you you know, one of the uh, based off of that interview that we did uh, was two years ago mm-hmm. at, at this point. Yeah, um, we we actually over here at Geek Therapeutics got a, 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 an email from from one of our people that t- does our stuff. It says this is the only true video game doc. And they took your YouTube video and emailed it to us. And we're like, well, matter of fact, actually, <laughs> <laughs> that that person is the one who runs this. And it like blew their mind. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it's, you know, a, a lot of the people that I've had the pleasure of talking to, I always make sure to tell them like, hey, this is an audio podcast as well. And most people would prefer listening to that on their phone, on the subway, just walking around their house doing chores, whatever. So just don't don't look at the YouTube numbers and think that that's the reception that you've gotten. There was one in particular, a very famous person, and I think it got like 700 views the first few months. And it was like, 7,000 on audio. So it's just, mm-hmm. you know, it's, uh, these, these are fun to do and the, it's got a pretty wide reach, but it is mostly audio only. So I'm glad you got some good feedback based on that too, because, uh, you know, I, I'm always afraid that people are just going to look at the YouTube numbers and be like, why did I waste an hour of my time for, you know, for that? But uh, everybody's but are cool. fun. Are you kidding me? That this is, I would, even if you didn't get any views, um, I would say these are fun. Because this is like literally the the whole reason we we do this stuff is to interact in and have fun and geek out. Yeah, absolutely. And also, I mean, I, I'm only guessing here, but I could imagine being in your position. It, it's 
if somebody hasn't seen you on camera or heard your voice, even even sort of reading your books, they might not get the sense of how approachable you actually are. Like, you know, the, the, when I met you in person for the first time, I, I'm not really a shy person anyway. I'm actually kind of a loud mouth, but still, like, I never, I didn't feel the slightest bit uncomfortable just being like, hey, Doc, is it you? Holy crap, you're really tall. Like, you know. <laughs> like, you know so. I am six one. I like walks on the beach. No, I actually like prefer <laughs> mountains, um, just so everyone knows. Uh, pine. Pine is a good thing for me. Awesome, yeah. So I, I'm glad that I was able to to at least get that video out to some people, though. And it was uh, you had some excellent tips. Um, the only tip that backfired was, uh, and I, I wanted to tease you about this, but I wanted to make sure to do this in a setting where you could see my face, and you know, I'm not actually <laughs> upset with you or anything like that. Uh, but you said at the end to go to. I believe it was was it psychologytoday.com if you're trying to find a local psychiatrist. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, maybe like three months after we talked, I was in like I was in a weird place. All human beings do. We talked about the stigma of mental illness last time. I always thought that was ridiculous. If your leg hurts, you eventually go to the doctor for it. I was like, oh man, I'm kind of I, I get bummed out like every human, but like I've never I've never been bummed out like this before. So I took your exact advice. I went, I you know, and I treated it. It's funny because in hindsight, it was like. I used to treat internet dating. Like I'm reading all the profiles. Like, all right, this person's going to be the best fit. Uh, and the person, just like you said, emailed me back immediately and said, I'm really sorry. I'm completely booked up. So then just like internet dating, I was like, you know what? Screw it. Copy and paste. It just <laughs> said, said the same thing to 30 people. If somebody responds, maybe I'm pretty enough. And <laughs> two people responded. One of them responded with, you don't actually have a problem if you're not willing to make time to come see me because they only had like one slot available and I, you know, and the one time that there's no way I could have made it. And I'm like, wow, you're a, you're a piece of shit. I'm really glad yeah. that I didn't actually get to see you because that would have probably done more damage than anything else. And then I ended up just getting really busy and snapped out of it because I was too busy to be bummed out. So. Oh, my gosh. No, that's that's a terrible experience. Holy cow. No, I mean, that's 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 terrible. I just, it only reminded me, because I, I am, you know, a bit of a blowhard. So for me, I was just like, you know, at the moment when I was when I was upset, I'm sure I had a bunch of profanity-ridden things to say to him. But in hindsight, I'm just like, ah, that didn't really bother me that much, especially being somebody that's on social media and YouTube and all that. If you can't, if you can't take some bad feedback there, you can't anywhere else in life. But it did make me think, like, what about that shy person that, that's not used <laughs> to all of this blatant and brash human interaction like how would they have reacted to that so it's it did kind of bum me out but from that perspective like oh man i hope i have quiet friends that probably wouldn't have reacted as well to that so maybe it's a new york thing maybe they're just so busy they're like ah we get to pick and choose but or or maybe they're just a-holes <laughs> <laughs> it happens i mean i did hospital medicine we designed uh my old company designed computers for hospitals for a while and it's it's really funny to see the stigma, the opposite stigma of people thinking that all doctors are these amazing human beings when we're all just human beings, all of us. Maybe you're really great at your job or maybe you you faked it till you made it, but you know, for there's, there's a chance anywhere. So it's good to, mm-hmm. it, it's good to have websites like that to, to filter people out, but I wish there was a better way to do it. But much like hardware modders for consoles, right? Once once you find a really awesome modder, then everybody wants to go to them and they have no time for anybody else. So it's just, you know, we just need more good people in in every every aspect. Yeah, there's there's good people in our field and there's terrible people in our field to to see to see that happen is, is unfortunate. Um to to know that it's there 
unfortunately on my side is not unknown mm-hmm. and we, even down here in texas we have that um happen quite quite often where someone will be like i just emailed this person and they one either and never emailed me back or two they um they didn't uh they, they didn't respond very well and i was like yep first first indications of uh, an email back or a call are are massively important and and shows who you are and, and how you are as a person. And if you suck at it, man, <laughs> you're going to suck at everything then. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, I would not being a doctor, this is just a stab in the dark, but I would guess that, that mental health in many, many ways is much harder to diagnose and treat than physical health. Cause like, you know, it hurts when I do this. Okay. That's, that's where we start. But like, did you ever hear the NPR documentary about the guy that thought he might want to kill his wife uh, and then he went to a psychiatrist about it. You never heard, it was kind of a famous one for a while, but it's they they watched a scary movie together. And in the movie, I guess somebody got stabbed or something. Uh, I believe it was stabbed. And then he kept waking up with visions of him stabbing his wife. So he went to a psychiatrist who basically freaked out and, you know, kept kept sort of kept their, mm-hmm. you know, their composure, but never returned any of his calls, like, you know, blocked his calls after that. And he went to another one who kind of just smiled and was like, I-, I know what you have. You're not a killer. You have OCD. You saw a scary movie and now you're obsessing over that scene and you're applying it to your life. And actually, it's pretty crazy therapy about how he had him hold a knife to his throat and all that stuff to the to the doctor's throat. And the guy was, you know, I, I don't think anybody's ever cured, but he certainly after a month or two didn't realize like, OK, I'm actually a good person. I'm not a killer. And all it took is just one person to take a deep breath and go, oh, you're not crazy you're just you know you get a little obsessive so that one struck you know that was a, a neat one hopefully it was like a prop knife because you I mean those things are sharp even if you um even if you like uh just yeah. have one it's, it's not not always the easiest <laughs> i hope it was a prop knife too for that same exact thing imagine if yeah. that went awry and they used a real knife and that poor guy accidentally cut his doctor and now he's obsessing yeah. about that too <laughs> like <laughs> now, hit, hit the car- carteroid and then all of a sudden it just goes all all sorts of uh haywire for them and, you're, and the guy's like well now you're arrested as well because you are a killer and he's like no i wasn't working towards <laughs> this <laughs> yeah i know that that always that struck me for a couple of reasons because i'm a little obsessive myself and you know i don't luckily I, I've, I've never really had any desire to harm anybody maybe yelling out the window when i got cut off in traffic well that's pretty much where it ends with me so but i i could totally see myself thinking something like that you know like why am i obsessing over this crazy thing and it was really interesting it was also just a, a fun story to hear i guess but so yeah pick and choose your 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 health professionals as, as good as you possibly can <laughs> with and with knives too yeah jeez. <laughs> man but you know the other side of that what if that guy never reached out to a second doctor you know what if he just thought like oh i'm, I'm insane that's it i'm gonna go hop off a bridge because there's no help in me. So it's, you know, means a lot when you, you find any any medical professional at all that could help and with whatever your thing is. I ran into the same thing with my back too. Went to one physical therapist that made it worse and then went to another one and I, I haven't had pain in like pretty much since the last time we talked actually. So, yeah. I mean, that's that's kind of one of the, I think the biggest things that people sometimes need to know, like the first time is not going to be the right time. The first one's not going to always be the best one. Usually, and I'll be completely honest, when people come into to my practice, um, I am usually the third or fourth uh, person that they've attempted. And they've known about me since the first one, but they didn't want to go down that path because of what we what we do. And sometimes people are like, well, you know, 
playing video games is not really the way around this. And I'm like, mm, actually, that's not accurate. Um, and so when we, we do that, like I, I just had a, a, a recent uh, intake where the parents are like, I don't really know what, what my kid's doing and blah this, blah that. And I'm like, well, you know, I'll play Fortnite with them as we're talking about these concepts and I'll teach them how to play the game, how to, to put down boundaries and appropriate uh, soci- uh, psychological and sociological tendencies and to, to really kind of hone in and point out some of these things. And she's like, I wasn't around to that, but you made it sound really good and helpful. And I was like, yeah, because that's what it can be done in, in, in those different capacities. Um, and we're playing together. So he's engaging with someone who knows the, the world, knows the ability to, to help out in a lot of different capacities, but also is teaching the appropriate boundaries and teaching the, the kid how to, to interact with it, with others in a, in a digital space, which is really what we're, we're trying to do in, in a lot of these uh, different aspects. Hmm. So, I mean, that's the, the perfect segue into uh, one of the first things, you know, official things I'd like to ask you is uh, your book about uh, the psychology. What, what was the exact title? The Psychology of the Legend of Zelda? Yep. Linking Our World to Hyrule. Okay. So I uh, I did. I started to read that right when it came out. And then I just I got my life got a little bit crazy. I, I keep forgetting to download the audiobook version. Is there, is there an audiobook version? Yet? There isn't. So I have been pushing them to do an audiobook version for a months now. And they're like, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll get to it. We'll get around to it. And I was like, no, you guys don't understand. People like to listen to these things. People want to, to listen to them. So with with the psychology of final fantasy we'll get i know we'll get into that there mm-hmm. is one that's already completed and we're just waiting for it to actually get up on amazon finally yeah i think for me personally i prefer to read i just i just don't have the time anymore and it's when i turn on audiobooks and podcasts when i'm working you know when i'm especially when i'm setting up stuff and there's just you know silence anyway i absolutely love it but why don't you record it uh yourself with your own voice you have a good speaking voice <laughs> I, I would love to. I don't actually, uh, even though I, I wrote and edited the the book, they technically own the rights to it. And so mm. it's a whole licensing deal that has to go through. And I would love to do it. But one, timing is always a big thing. Two, the the licensing deal would take months to, to do. And so, yeah, it just, and plus we're doing lots of other stuff. There's there's tons tons of stuff that's going on, like just because that book and I know I'm getting a little out of out of frame on that one, but like we have this one right here, integrating geek therapy into clinical practice. That's coming out too. Um, so is that a follow up to the first one that you published? Because that's going to be your fourth book, right? Yep, this one comes out in five days um, as of today. Um, so yeah, this one is actually an edited version where we go through like D and D, we go through um, anime, video games, superheroes, um, even uh, talk a little bit about um, uh, GamerGate, a little bit more of the the historical uh, underpinnings of that, and kind of like the research that's the current research that's around it right now for clinicians to kind of like so they can be like, oh, I know what to, I have to kind of talk a little bit about uh, anime. Like we we have um, Death Note. We we get to write a book chapter like section on Death Note. Like who? How many people can can say that they they did that uh, on an anime? I mean, it's yeah. it's just awesome. So I'd like to talk about all those things, but I think we should we should back up and start from the beginning, just for people that may have not heard the first one. Uh, your first book, um, if I remember correctly, that was more by clinicians for clinicians. And while somebody else could probably read it, if I remember right, you had written it so that other people could um, could use the the theories that you had kind of been proving with tying video games into treatment. Is that correct? 
Yep. So that one was the, the working with video gamers and games and therapy. And that's kind of the integration of, of a lot of the, the knowledge in, in research in our areas of, let's say, the aggression hypothesis with uh, video games and how it's been disproven time and time again. Yet people continue to push this this idea um, and that video games do not cause violence and, and, and all that stuff. The, the Gosh, it's, it's usually the number one question when we get interviewed. It's like, do video games cause violence? And we're like, no. <laughs> just no yeah. like i don't know how much more to, to do this for you no um <laughs> and so um it goes into a whole bunch of ideas of moral panic and introducing video games as a as a tool in uh, the the underpinnings of of what actually creates a video game the different um genres of them and how how different uh, people play the different games so n- normally when i work start working with a client i actually have them read the the archetype chapters and and i already have an idea of where they kind of fall and I ask them where do they feel like they fall on on some of these chapters um, or some of these archetypes, and they usually pick the same ones that I'm feeling that they they kind of run into: ranger versus melee versus spellcaster versus archer or ranger. Um, it really kind of is really interesting to see that, and then they can utilize that knowledge to how do they approach life and how can we use those things. And I've had parents buy the book, and they're like, "I could totally see my entire family structure in this." And I'm like, "Yep, this is this is how it goes because you guys are all playing different roles," mm-hmm. and so it's it's really really helpful for a lot of people. Um, and the second book was the Zelda book, and although I only had started it, I got the strong impression that anybody with just the slightest interest in psychology could enjoy it. It's not just for clinicians, it's just anybody that probably likes Zelda and is slightly interested in how the human mind works would, would be able to dig in really deep into that. Oh, yeah, that one was really uh, Jungian-focused uh, and, and kind of like the, the idea, because Link is a, a character that can be projected upon, um, and how when we shut off that, that video game, we have to reclaim that projection. And that projection is is a, a psychological material as we play the game and interacts with the pixels and, and really gives us a, a sense of being, a sense of wonder, and, and choices on, on how we, we kind of move ourselves forward in, in a lot of different ways. And so that one was such a labor of love. And there's so many cool, cool aspects of that of that game that that really uh, still just bring such great memories. And then obviously Breath of the Wild, and now we're gonna get Breath of the Wild two and uh, a new uh, Hyrule Warriors based on that. That's gonna be oh my gosh, it's gonna be so good. I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, I, it wasn't until that you had mentioned that you were writing that book that I thought I kind of thought back to the A Link to the Past, which is my favorite of the Zeldas, and how. It's taking a step back from that where, you know, you're just you wake up and you're just a kid living with your uncle. And next thing you know, you're, you know, you're all alone and you got to find your way and you fall into a dungeon and everybody's really nice to you in the town. You know, once you escape and then next thing you know, you're wanted and everybody's running away from you and you're all alone and you got to battle it back. And I never I never realized how deep that story actually went from a psychological point of view until I started thinking it from that aspect, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. What what you're kind of talking about a little bit is what we call the the orphan archetype, and that that's the beautiful thing about video games. No, in really theory, um, most of the video games that you will ever play are actually formulate the entire storyline based on that orphan archetype, where you are are pushed aside, you're you're th- thought of scum, you lose someone, and you have to come back from that. You have to overcome that through what we call that post traumatic growth um, storyline. And most of the the video games that we play, the reason 
we resonate with them is because of that that ex- exact storyline and that exact ideas of of the game itself through the narrative journey. And so if we if clinicians and people are familiar with that journey, they can then go and and utilize that in a therapeutic setting. Like I've used Legend of Zelda to help uh, a kid with uh, Asperger's to stop bullying, uh, stop being people getting bullying just through a visualization of a Hyrulean shield. Wow, that's pretty incredible. Yeah, it's just the basics. If you know the the games uh, well enough to to utilize the, the storyline and the concepts, then I mean, literally the the sky is your ceiling. Hmm. You know, it wasn't until after um, I, I started reading the book and thinking about it from that perspective. You know, when people had always asked me, "What are your what's your favorite video game?" I was always tied between you know, A Link to the Past and Super Metroid. But when I think of it. From from that point of view, it's Super Metroid, like, you are dumped on an alien planet, you are all alone, everything's trying to kill you, you have no friends, you just, you have to get through that, and it just, you know, there I've never really fit in anywhere, I had a, a good life, I wasn't like a tortured kid or anything, but I never really fit in, so when I, you know, when I say that, I don't, I'm not trying to, like, milk for sympathy for anybody listening or anything, like, <laughs> everything was fine, but... I, that resonated with me the most. I think that's why I always kind of liked that one a little bit more. They're both awesome games, but it was just, you know, all right, turn off all the lights, turn up the stereo. It's just you versus the world. Like I'd felt so many times when I was a kid and didn't even realize that I was making that subconscious connection with the game until I thought about it like that. Mm-hmm. It's it's one of the things I think that a lot of people, um, once they realize why they like a game, it it changes their entire perspective. And if we can can bring some sort of concepts, some sort of psychological ideas to these things, one it helps flush it out and also creates almost like a self help guide right, just by playing the the game. Because anyone who's played Super Metroid knows that it's difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the same thing as like playing Castlevania. Good good luck on some of those ones. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> So um, from going back to Zelda for a minute, though, you know, as as a male who's always very strongly identified as a male, I never thought about the whole saving the princess aspect, which is odd because some of my best friends growing up that I still have to this day are very strong, confident women. And I, I never took the time to to do that role reversal. And, you know, even they had mentioned it, even ones that weren't even really into video games about like, you know, I like video games. Why does everybody keep telling me look for the girly games, you know, and why the hell are we saving the princess? You know, why doesn't, why don't we save Mario's fat ass now and then like, you know, and it's, (laughs) how does that play in with, with the Zelda games as well? That plays in really, really well because actually, if you look at the the way that uh, Zelda herself, Princess Zelda, has gone over the entire expansions of the game, um, from from one all the way up to Breath of the Wild, she has actually transformed from that save me princess type to I am a historian, I am a researcher. You get in my way, I'm going to push you down, Link, and you need to to just be my my silent protagonist behind me, and and you know just just watch me. But at some cases, I don't need to be watched i don't need to be cared for i don't need to be handheld it's 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 a kind of like a resurgence of of her her character in a different aspect that i think is is one really really important and two to to really hone in on the idea that it's it's going to become a a a phenomenon almost Hmm. that's interesting that's it i always 
you know, I'd always like to see more of a progression of that. And it's funny, too, because somebody on Twitter maybe a year ago was trying to provoke a fight like people always do when they're unemployed and have no friends or hobbies. <laughs> and one of it was, you know, there, there's never been a strong female character in a video game. And I just could not stop laughing because I'm like, my favorite game. Samus mm-hmm. is a female. Like, what are you talking about? There's never been a strong. She's the most badass bounty hunter that's ever lived. Like, <laughs> well, Clearly not if they haven't gotten to 100% of it and then got were able to see that. <laughs> yeah, that's that's it's funny though, but you know, I do I do hope everything balances out. Somebody who's always just been kind of down the middle of of everything in life. I've always even though maybe it's a result of not fitting in, but I've always seen both sides of things even when I didn't realize it. So I I do hope there is a middle balance for everybody at some point and but it at le- as you said, at least there has been a progression with that. And and we're seeing it. And so I, if we look at the the video games themselves, it's really the stuff that's coming out of Japan is is really kind of pushing the envelope. And and honestly, if you look at the, just a historical perspective, Japan's always been ahead of the curve mm-hmm. uh, by like we're talking three to five years. Like everything to do, they they've done it with Final Fantasy, they've done it with Zelda, they've done it with even uh, Princess Peach on. Uh, some cases and and Daisy, they they're starting to to change their their entire uh, perspective and uh, utilization of these characters in a way that is much more um, uh, geared outside of their general uh, general gendered subtypes. Hmm. So um, now the next book, the one that was just released recently, right, uh, was yep. about Final Fantasy. And oh yeah. Every time I say this out loud, I have I feel like a bunch of people are going to show up at my door with pitchforks. But I've tried playing one Final Fantasy game and never really liked it. <laughs> so I know nothing about them. I think I should be, you know, I should be shunned as a gamer for not giving it more of a chance. But uh, my brother was big into the games and he would always tell me about the storylines behind it. And whenever there was a cool part of the game, he'd, you know, pause it and have me run into the room. So I, I feel like I get to experience a lot of the best parts of it um, without... We, you know, uh, I guess I said that wrong because you'd have to really sink into it to get the best parts. But I guess I've seen a lot of the cool things and I've gotten some of what they were going for. Um, so how how does your book tie into all that? And I guess there's got to be other people besides me that haven't played the game. So maybe you could approach oh, yeah. it from that kind of point of view of, of what to expect from the book in the game series. Oh, yeah. So we so Final Fantasy has like over 20 different games, depending if you include tactics and, and everything else that's going on with them and the online stuff, any, including the remake, too. So the the overall idea is that you are a group of adventurers who come across each other. You guys are thrust into a destiny and across all the different games. Games, there's lots of different similar aspects. So in the early games, there was crystals, and you had to cleanse the crystals, and then they started started getting away. But in each of the games, you'll always see crystals in in there, whether it's through the summons, whether it's a save point, whether it's some gems you have to kind of collect, or, or another cleansing one. Like it looks like the new um, one that they just announced is going to have like a, a cleansing uh, crystal again um, aspect to it. So with with that said. All of the Final Fantasies um, actually uh, surround the idea of trauma because everyone in the group has endured trauma and has to overcome it in their own ways. And that's the narrative of the the storyline that really has to um, come into play in, in a lot of different ways because that's what binds the the characters together but also drives the, the narrative uh, overall journey to the end point. Uh, end boss, end point. Kind of the same thing. There's usually like uh, stuff after the boss that you can go do to to do it because because beating the boss usually unlocks it. So 
say for instance um uh, final fantasy 7 ruby weapon emerald weapon um all of them diamond weapon all of them kind of come out after you complete a lot of the the main storyline and one of the biggest things that the the game itself is is really kind of known for is overcoming adversity in whether it's uh, something an injustice that's going on in in the world itself or if it's something that is is over overwhelming the world such as a, a Sephiroth riding a meteor, Genova riding a meteor, coming on down to Sephiroth being like, I'm going to do this to Earth, to Gaia um, as well. And and then there's just the, the spiritual aspects, the the characters that are kind of go in, the, the different narratives, the uh, women empowerment's a big one, gendered subtypes are things we talked about. My favorite thing is the, the, the Freudian uh, concept of what we, what I talked about specifically was the um, Thanatos and Eros, um, which is eros is life and love thanatos is death and destruction um and so the 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 diet of the worlds always could kind of come into the the port the party has to be the eros the love in the world the that soothes the chaos that's usually the end boss and uh, how we kind of go through an uh, apop apopathesis um someone's gonna yell at me for mispronouncing that um but basically how we how the the end boss always wants to be kind of become like an omnipotent god and and overtake the the world a little bit and and thrust uh, themselves into a, a a power of uh position and they can't see um anything um in front of them besides their only one true goal and that's really kind of what we we focused in on is that you you either you know die as a hero or you live long enough to, to be seen as the villain and that's that's kind of the mentality that a lot of the villains, when we kind of explain their roles, kind of came into play a bit. Hmm, that's pretty interesting. I wonder if uh, I I wonder if that is kind of just a general human thing. You know, if if you theoretically lived long enough, eventually you're just the villain after a while. Well, that's it. I probably. I mean, I, I'm thinking of like fairy tale. The the anime is uh, one of the the main the main baddie is a guy who's just lived for hundreds of years, and uh, he has this one narrow mindset because it's, everything kind of comes back to it, and he can't get himself out of it. So he used to be a hero, and now now he's a villain. Um, Interesting. So it's, it's yeah. I'm definitely right on that track to having a cane and yelling for kids to get off my lawn, but uh, <laughs> hopefully, hopefully not because I'm making the same mistake over and over. <laughs> You're gonna have to have like iced tea and like a bandana, and be like, "Do it, get off the lawn." <laughs> just once my grass. Just one step away from Clint Eastwood and Gran Torino. Just hates everybody <laughs> equally, but hates them all. Just leave me alone. <laughs> mm-hmm. Every, everyone's just like, "Get off my lawn." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, that that sounds like. Clint Eastwood heavily um, in a good a good rendition I think uh, aspiring person to become <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, and uh, it sounds like the book for, uh, much like the Zelda one is another one that anybody that is enjoys the games and uh, enjoys just having another perspective on it would would be into it it's not just for clinicians right yeah, we we actually geared this one very much for for anyone who's played the game to kind of like relive the nostalgia of it, and we we loved having to replay the games and spend all the dozens upon dozens of hours because I think uh, most of the games, the shortest one that's out there is like thirty plus hours, mm. um, and then like uh, if you did the the one that's lightning, which is thirteen or fourteen, I don't remember. I think I don't remember. Um, 
that one's like 120 plus hours um, just to be the game. So, I mean, it's yeah. it's a lot, a lot of stuff that kind of co- goes into, into play. So we wanted people to be able to pick up this book and relive um, Final Fantasy X, relive seven or three or four, depending on what they what they really um, accustomed to or wanted to to feel more um, connected to. That's really cool. That's a great idea, too, because, I mean, that's. You know, it's like uh, kids TV where you're sneaking in life lessons with entertainment. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I mean, they, there's so many cool things that you can uh, you can utilize in the, the game. And it's getting great, great, fantastic reviews, too, which is another big boon because obviously those things are what uh, wants us – make us do more of these mm. um, because the, the it takes so, so long. It takes about a year of, of editing and, and chapter uh, curation to to really get it fine-tuned heavily into a way that people are going to absolutely love this and man it's it's a it's a long road <laughs> yeah <laughs> to do it yeah absolutely i don't you know I, I think anybody that's never gone down that path before of creating something like that doesn't really understand like you don't just write it and then like send it to an editor and then you're done like you have to reread everything and even with the scripts for the stupid videos I make. I mean, they're, you know, a five page script might take 12 hours, even though I could write five pages in an hour, no problem. It's just mm-hmm. going back and rewriting it and then thinking like, well, am I understanding this because I wrote the script or is somebody who's never heard this stuff before going to understand this? And just, I-, I could only imagine with, you know, with doing it a book at a time, not a 20 minute video at a time, you know, how much more in depth that could be. I think the longest I've ever written was like a hundred page thing a million years ago for something else. And that, that took forever. And I don't even think I got it right. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> it, it, it To give you kind of an idea, when we put out a, a call for chapters and a call for writers, we usually get have to give about three to four months to create a chapter because it, it takes so much of that. And then after that, it's another three to four months of fine tuning it to to. Um, basically talk about the, the game in a narrative lens because if we just go and say like oh uh, you know like Heidegger um, is in a video game and therefore we're going to talk to you just about Heidegger's theory and you'll lose like all parts of the the Final Fantasy aspect then you, you've really just like done a massive disservice not to the just to the game or to the the chapter but to the player um, because you, you you're not wrapping in the the actual narrative of, of why these types of things are important and matter and and so when when we kind of talk about those things it's a very very important to to focus in on how how do we manage those things um, and being able to to really work the narrative into it and so that's already just six months there and then then it goes to an, an even bigger editor um, Pass me after I get it into into a prose uh, appropriateness, and then that goes through grammar check, and then we start to pre-publication. So I mean, we're looking at a year to a year and a half of of just creating one of these books. Jeez, and is yeah. there any um, was there any legal concern about using the words Zelda and Final Fantasy in books? So there's always legal concerns, uh, no matter what you do. Um, so right. the way the Zelda book got around it is that we we put a little inscription in there that says, this is not part of Zelda. We are no, not affiliated with them on any level. And we did the same thing with Final Fantasy. I actually ran the cover, um, uh, which if you're if you're watching this, you can see it in my background right mm. over yep. 
I'm going to get there. Yep. <laughs> there, there we go. Um, and um, with with that, we actually ran it by Square Enix first because Square Enix is notorious for takedowns. Mm. Um, and so, so is our other places like uh, Wizards of the Coast and everyone else. And so we ran the first cover by through them. They're like, no, it's too much like our stuff. We would not give you permission. And I was like, cool. I know what to do now. And so we made it uh, a lot less, uh, more, much more generalized and in certain, a lot of different aspects to, to it's like a, a feel that it's, um, it's a, a, um, a projecting upon the characters uh, again. So, uh, we, we made sure that it wasn't, uh, anything recognizable or anything like that, but we, we have the cool watermarks on the inside. That's always kind of interesting to me because big social media companies, like uh, especially YouTube is the worst, create their own set of rules for fair use and then talk about it as if it's law. But it's actually useless, and, uh, you know, other than playing in the YouTube circle, because, um, you know, basically, it, it, and I'm, while I'm not a lawyer, I've unfortunately had to sit on lots of these calls before. Um, you could absolutely get sued for using the words Final Fantasy next to each other. Now, whether they'd win or not doesn't matter. It's whoever has the most money. Uh, but mm-hmm. generally speaking, the bigger companies don't, as long as it's either positive or it's not going to bring them more negativity. Like, I, I couldn't imagine how horrible it would be for Square Enix if they tried to sue you for writing a really positive book that inspires people to play their game. But technically, they could mm-hmm. because U.S. copyright Te- law says you're you, you know, you're talking about their intellectual property. So. Mm-hmm. And technically, technically we are, but th- so there's actually a nuance in there too, um, with that because this is where we get around it. If you're using it for an educational aspect or a teaching aspect, which these books would can technically be be played underneath that, it is um, can very much be considered uh, free of the copyright issue because it's it's the, it's it's the reason why like uh, the book um, Apple Incorporated came out, mm-hmm. in, and it's not it's not endorsed or or, or Apple didn't. Uh, have any part in that and it's because it's educational in nature and as long as it stays educational in nature and i don't and i don't go out and say square enix is a terrible company which they're not they're awesome Mm -hmm. Um, i love the stuff that they do and and like really bash them and and really just like antagonize them they're gonna be like oh no you're you're pretty much giving us free free publicity free everything we're like yep that's we we want yeah. people to enjoy this like it, it's it's worked the same way with uh with Nintendo and Zelda they 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 didn't see anything wrong with what we were doing and as long as we we stay in in the clear and and keep make sure that people know like this is not endorsed by them then it's it's perfectly fine I'm I'm glad to hear that you didn't have any issues with that because oh gosh no if we we take so so much care to do that because just like you said you don't you don't want to be sued by a, a multi billion dollar company yeah yeah that's that's absolutely it um and so the the book that you said is coming out soon now um is that once again more directed towards clinicians or is that something that's been more generalized so that people who are just interested in psychology might want to read psychology so in the, the in the uh, context of video games as well right. So, so it's a more towards like the the latter. So, for like clinicians and researchers and people who are interested in psychology can can read this and pick it up and understand it. Um, but it's it's really written like a a research oriented book where I, I'm using it to teach one of my classes um, right now on on geek therapy. And um, my I, I released it to the those students early, and the the positive feedback from these students in an undergrad is just overwhelming. They're like, this is like the best thing since sliced bread. 
read, I never knew that video games or or D and D or anime had these such pull characteristics. And we're like, yeah, that's why we want to get these things out. We want to show these these types of of abilities to to really hone in on on the the idea that these things can be used as cultural artifacts and to help people and to work with them in a way that they feel comfortable and gives voice to a lot of different uh, parts of our of ourselves that we may not be aware of. That's pretty awesome. And when is that one coming out? That one comes out in September 30th of the, of 2020. Very cool. Well, I'll see if I can try to schedule this to be to air like right around that or something. Try to get it the day before, <laughs> or the day after. So it's uh yeah, that's cool. I, I hope that does really well. It's obvious that you've already you and your group have already made a gigantic impact on a lot of people. Um, and, and actually, you know, while we did talk about this last time, I think it would be worth uh, just taking a moment to explain um, kind of your history and and your partnership uh, in the group that you run as well. So maybe if people didn't catch the first one, um, they could kind of get a sense of, of where you're coming from with all of these books. Oh, absolutely. So I uh, run a company called Geek Therapeutics, and you can find us on all so- social media just type in geek therapeutics and it will pop on up and we we run uh, continue education courses for um for professionals we teach about these things we certify people in, in geek therapy and we actually create a certified geek therapist standard for for people to kind of come on in utilize and then focus in on how can we work best with our clients and we're international at this point uh, we have people in italy the uk everyone else is has just been loving the stuff that we're doing and we very very much are pushing towards a, a community-based um, operation into to have people have the ability to come on in and, and enjoy what we're doing and, and then learn maybe a little bit about themselves and so within the geek realm um, is video games anime fan fiction uh, dungeons and dragons superheroes marvels comic books mcu universe i mean it's the, the sky's really the limit on on that stuff and so from my history, I've grown up watching these things, reading comic books, um, playing video games. And so I, I really went through my undergrad uh, thesis, uh, master's and doctoral thesis, all focused heavily around video gamers and in what benefits can they can they do and how can we utilize these cultural artifacts appropriately? And so that's that's where I came in. And I'm like, well, there's not really anyone doing this type of really good work that's out there. So let's let's do this. Let's let's make this more prominent. And let's let's what we call um, in our in our field of psychology. Let's give it some teeth in a sense, because all the old timers are like ah, geek stuff. You know, it's not useful. Video games. No, they're all addictive. Uh, like, don't don't worry. Don't don't play games. And that just kind of shows a, a lack of understanding of what the games can do, what they are and how we can utilize them in an appropriate way. So the way that we kind of teach it a little bit more is they are cultural artifacts that tons of people are playing. It uh, doesn't matter what game comes out. Tons and tons of people are going to be playing it, and those people, even though let's say they play six months apart, they're still going to have a very similar reaction at certain parts of the game because it's going to tug on our heartstrings. And that in itself is that narrative journey, that that ability to to hone in on who we are as as people. And it also is really remarkable because these people don't have to be in the same country; they can be thousands of miles apart, and they're still having the same experience. That's a shared enjoyment of an experience that should be celebrated and utilized in in a way of feeling connected to other people. If if we can if we can utilize that in, in a therapeutic lens, the sky is just the limit on this one. Yeah, that, that's pretty awesome. And uh, I believe that you said you yourself were both, um, I'm forgetting the words here, but both a practicing 
psychologist as well as somebody who works on the theory behind it, right? What's the, mm -hmm. what's the correct terminology for that? Uh, a researcher. So a researching right. psychologist, a researcher. Um, a, um, so I'm a, a, a scholar, practitioner, and researcher is kind of what they would call all three of them. And we even have uh, uh, research programs going on right now into Dungeons & Dragons in a therapeutic context, which is fantastic. And, uh, just a game that always has to be played. Um, <laughs> yeah, I love, you should see our group. I'm, I'm just a warlock who just is chaotic neutral and just like blowing everything up with fire. <laughs> and that's like, oh, hey, we walked into a room and I'm like, Eldritch Blast. And they're like, what? We haven't even done anything yet. And I'm like, it's my character, man. Um, I can't do anything about that. Just blowing something up. Um, and so, so it's, it's kind of kind of be a, a very healing aspect for, for a lot of people and a lot of uh, um, others to to know that the one this is a connectiveness um, around this, but also that we can learn a lot from each other and ourselves by just playing and understanding these games a little bit more. And uh, uh, this is all from memory, so I hope I'm still getting this right. But I think you were in the midst of a, a bit of a battle with I think it was the World Health Organization who was trying to say that you know all video games are evil pretty much, and you know or no, it was if you play more than a certain amount of hours a day, you're addicted. When that's that's yep. pretty ridiculous. Um, how did that How did that go? How did that end so, up ending? Oh gosh, so it's still it's still in progress. A lot of us researchers and clinicians are continuing to fight back. Um, they got rid of the hours type stuff, which is nice. That was a, a concession that they did, but they're still pushing forward with the idea that uh, gaming disorder is is a real thing and that every that there it's like a prevalence rate, which me which is of like twelve to fifteen percent, which is outrageous. That to give you an idea, depression and anxiety is like four to six and they're saying that video gaming is is 12 to 15 that that's just nuts um <laughs> that is like out of control um and and so where where that current battle is is they they have released new guidelines on it and the the guidelines are are based on what they call a clinician's um uh, subjective uh, feeling of what it is so there's there's no idea to know what is considered to be severe moderate or or mild um they're just like yeah the clinician gets to choose what that is and it's like well what if the clinician thinks two hours is what if the clinician thinks that maybe they missed a date with their their significant other is is a sign of it and they're like yep that counts and we're like that doesn't make sense. Um, and so a lot of us are still pushing back upon that, but it seems like they have a whole bunch of researchers that are like, no, this is it. This is, this is a consensus. Everyone's on the same board and, and 90% of us are like, no, no, we're not. Um, this is, this is not appropriate, um, on kind of any level to, to do it this way, which is another reason why it spurred us to create these trainings. So people can utilize these games. Like I, I recently, when I do a consultation, I train, um, some of the, the certified geek therapists to, to use brawl stars. It's a little handheld game on your phone in, in therapeutic to, to work on bullying to work on the ability to connect with another and be a leader and direct your direct the team to to victory and sometimes losses and how do we overcome those and so those are just like some very minor basic things that we can use to just a handheld game in two and a half minutes of gameplay to me that's insane that you can pull out so much of that content and and utilize that plus have a shared experience with uh, the other individual mm. it's it's kind of mind-blowing to me that you know, as nerds, as doctors, we're, it's our job to always question ourselves. You know, science question everything. We've all heard that before. And if you find out that you were wrong, you should be proud that, hey, look, you know, we did our best here, but like, look how much more progress. And it's so ironic that people that are 
pretending to be in charge of psychology are letting their egos get in the way of progress because they don't mm-hmm. want their ideas, which were good enough, you know, back when video games didn't have this kind of impact on people, but they're just, you know, they're, they're staying pigheaded about it. It's kind of, the irony of it is just uh, <laughs> overwhelming. Astounding. Here. It's astounding. And it, it, it kind of shows, and this is a problem in, in all fields, not just psychology, that the, the elder generation until they, and I'm going to unfortunately use this word, die out in a sense, stop practicing, stop being a part of it um, in that area, not not much is going to change. Um, even when we go to, let's say, um, APA, and like I went to the one in Chicago a couple years ago uh, when we could do the face-to-face, um, and they they started working on talking about how video games could be utilized in a very awesome approach. They stuck us in the back corner in this area where I had, it took me 20 minutes to find, find this place, and it was like in the, it almost felt like we were stuck in the janitor closet, um, and the room got packed. And people still found us, which was great, but there wasn't enough seating for everybody. And they're like, we we don't really quite know what to to do with you guys. We're going to accept this to show that we're doing some diversity and some inclusivity, but we're going to stick you as far back as we can and not give you a really great time slot or, or other stuff because all these other people deserve this stuff. And we're like, they're not the people that really should be talking to about these things. Yeah. Do you, you know, did the World Health Organization as a whole kind of lose a lot of clout ever since you know ever since covid started because you know it's just the more you read and i'm not i i always try to listen to all sides so i don't jump into those crazy conspiracy theories but at the same time it's a lot of the stuff that came out about them even if half of it might be true it's like uh, i don't know if these are people that we should be trusting for advice on how to clip our toenails let alone <laughs> let alone anything else so uh, they they definitely i think lost uh, some credentialing and some some ideas behind it and because because they even backtracked as soon as covid came out they released a statement saying video games are a wonderful way to to engage other people to stay connected and everything when we're like just a year ago, you were saying how bad it was, and now you completely 180. It's like you can't you can't have both these things here, and then then put out a paper saying why this stuff is all bad. I'm like, you you can't do that. That's that's misinforming a lot of people. And exactly what we've been trying to get you to say, you finally said it, but now you're backtracking yet again. And we're like, oh my gosh, guys, stick to to stick to one thing. Be inclusive of all the research, and and also hone in on on the correct stuff, and 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 bring clinicians into this mix because you guys are not you're you're just talking about um about uh what the researchers are and researchers don't interact with clients you they don't mm-hmm. and everyone who was on that world health organization panel that uh created the internet gaming disorder they're they're not clinicians they're all researchers and the, that disparity between the two of actually practicing and and uh in theory there's a massive gap between the two and it's really really sad any any teachers listening right now are are like waving their fist in the air because yeah. it's my mother was a teacher so it's it's just like the you know it's everybody in administration that's never taught a class before that has these brilliant ideas you know you need that diversity you need somebody coming in from a different perspective but you also need to listen to your teacher's feedback and it sounds like it's the same type of scenario here you know your theory might be awesome but you know if it doesn't play out in real life you need to listen to the feedback of the people who are you know on the front lines if you will you know talking to mm-hmm. talking to the people that are actually struggling and, and getting help 
Yeah, absolutely. I would say that uh, 95% of my caseload that are gamers don't really have a problem. It's a secondary condition to like depression, anxiety, social anxiety, that type of stuff. Every so often there is someone that does have a problem, but then there's a, a hidden diagnosis in there. Hmm. Um, that's also that. And it, it just needs to have rules and reinforced boundaries upon it. And then they, the kids take off. I mean, I, I don't, I, I work in a lot of different uh, different areas and you know like with esports if you've ever talked to an esports uh, gamer they are the most crafty manipulative people you will ever meet in your life in the best ways possible if they if you give them certain things they will break those rules and it's it's not necessarily that they're breaking the rules they found a way around them they are so ingenious in so many different things and that same thing happens with with our our clients is they are so smart and they're so ingenious in their in their mood moves that they can can utilize a lot of the stuff that they've learned in the game space to to change the way that they interact with the the world around them and we shouldn't be um necessarily being negative towards them we should be utilizing that in a different light hmm. um you know we're, we're talking about world health organization and everything going on right now um you know i, I imagine there's a lot of people right now who are still kind of struggling with the with just adapting to things as they change um and it's everybody kind of adapts differently and everybody certain things affect people more than others you know like if you if you move my cup holder to the my other side of my chair i might get way more upset than you know having a, a global crisis happening it's just you know everybody's different but are there are there general tips that you can give especially after living through this now and and having to be on both sides you're living through it too and you're also mm -hmm. helping people are there any general things that you could tell people especially from a nerd perspective because and i use i use that word with all the love and respect of course but i think most of the people listening are probably at least on the nerdier side so are there suggestions are there tips anything like that that you might want to share absolutely so if you if you're feeling like you you need someone to talk to find a find a geek therapist find a nerd um that you that can actually help you on that we're, we're actually in the middle of uh creating a um a peer support network actually with uh Guardians Mental Health. Yes, I had to look over on my whiteboard. That's a massive whiteboard right over there. Um, to to uh, create a peer support network with with crisis counseling and and everything uh, involved with that. Also, tons of resources. They have a mental health bot. They, they it's free to use and it's really easy to engage that mental health bot to give resources about anxiety, depression, um, insomnia, suicide, everything like that. Number one thing is check them out. But also be be knowing that you're you're not alone. We are growing in 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 number, which is absolutely fantastic. A lot of the um, people taking our courses are not just students; they're actually younger uh, clinicians, and they they really very very much want to. Um, be able to utilize these things and they see the benefit of it. Like I've, I've used it myself with 72 year olds. I've used video games with a 72 year old to hit a point home of why they probably shouldn't smoke crack. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what else you can do yeah. <laughs> if, if that's, if that's what it happens and, and it worked for, for that guy. I mean, what, where, what else are we going to do this? Yeah. It, it's kind of one of the one of the things is it's it's gonna take over in in a really really good way and we're we're showing a lot of cool benefits with like d and d and um social as aspects so if if you're feeling disconnected if you're feeling like you don't have anyone there for you 
it's it's okay to seek these things out. There are tons of people who who do these these groups and and connect with us. There's discords. There's um, all of us on on Facebook. We we are happy to talk. Talk to us on Twitter. We will tweet you back. Oh my gosh, some of the stuff that we talk about is just ridiculous um, on so many different levels because you, you just some of them end up in gift wars. Um, it's it's just fantastic to to engage with us. We're we're here to help. And if we think that you know you you don't necessarily um, need services, then we're going to support you in, in our way we can. But if we think that you might need something more, we're going to kind of suggest it as well. You know, reach out to those things. But one, know your know yourself. Two, if you think that you need some help, go ahead and, and search out for it. It's okay. There are tons of help uh, services out there. If you need some stuff, reach out to one of us. We will point you in that direction that you need to go. Um, and then three connect with others uh, through all of these different geeky and nerd interests when since we can't go to the paxes since we can't go to the comic cons and stuff right now there are online groups that are formed there are things that are out there pax still has their their online um, discord that's available and people are still utilizing it so there's a lot of different um, tools that are already out there we just have to look around for them and uh, one question I really want to ask, and I guess this is a bit of a loaded question, but I really do mean it <laughs> with uh, with love in my heart. But, you know, when those of us who are having a good day, because I, I really don't believe that there's, for the most part, good and bad people. When you're having a good day, you're, you're feeling patient, and you see somebody that, I mean, just to be blunt, is acting like an asshole, right? Um, mm-hmm. Before I, I was forced to deal with comments all day, every day in my life for doing retro RGB, I would try to consciously take the time and think like, why are they pissed? Are they do like this every day? And if they're like this every day, is it just because they're grumpy or are they bad at communicating? And I would, I still try my hardest to, but I just, I'm out of time. I'm out of time. But, you know, are there, when you're having a good day and you're feeling patient, are, are there easy, easier ways to approach people that you could tell you know, maybe they're just not good with other people. Maybe they're in a bad mm-hmm. spot and that's why they're lashing out because what they're actually subconsciously doing is saying, I, I need to talk to somebody. I need some attention. And their execution of that's not very nice for the people around them. What's, you know, it, are there just good ways to ease yourself into this to, you know, w- when you're, when you're in the mindset to be able to do that? To ease yourself into the, the mindset of, of finding, finding someone? No, or? not finding because I certainly don't want to send a whole bunch of people out to, you know, to do yeah. that. I mean, if you're if you're in your spot, whether that's in your YouTube comments or your favorite YouTuber, on your Discord, on a forum somewhere, and you, you see somebody, especially now, like somebody that may have been a little grumpy, but now they're really grumpy, that's very obvious why they might be in that place. You know, what are the best ways to approach that, the best ways to respond? And I know this is, a, like I said, it's a loaded question because different cultures, different age groups, different mm-hmm. people, there's so many different things. But they're just basic tips going into stuff like tip number one: don't call him a fuckface. Like, <laughs> you know, like. I mean, I think that's a that's a life life tip right there. <laughs> um, yeah, there, there's quite a, quite a few things. If you're noticing someone kind of grumpy, um, generally there's probably something that happened because not everyone is uh, grumpy just by nature. And so w- what we kind of use is is a, what we call a peer uh, motivational interviewing t- uh, thing, being like, hey man, it seems like you're having a hard time. What's what's kind of going on? Um, or, or in, in, or another one could definitely be like, Hey dude, it sounds like, uh, you know, you're, you're pretty grumpy. I don't really appreciate being the, the brunt of that grunt, but I'm here to help support you in what I can. What do, what kind of, what do things do we kind of need in that stuff is, is what we call putting down an appropriate boundary, but not trying to solve the problem, but 
engaging in that problem appropriately because a lot of the times that what what can happen is if we we misengage if we have some sort of difficulties when and we come across the wrong way it blows up in our face really fast and that person who's just been a little disgruntled now just became pissed and it's because they feel like they're being called out and they feel like something's being done in that way and that's not helpful in, in a lot of ways, it, it's more important to to really um, focus in on what's going on, how can we be of service, and really what is the the true idea of why, why this is actually happening. Hmm. That makes sense. I am um, I'm, I'm so guilty of of everything wrong you could possibly do on all sides of that. You know, if you catch me if you catch me right after I've just spent 40 hours on a video and the first comment is, "Hey, it looks like your capture settings are wrong at 4 minutes and 50 seconds." As much as I try, my reaction is going to be like, "That's that's what you're picking out right now. The whole that's, a 22 that's what minute you video chew. like you yeah. piece of crap." But if you said that same exact comment in the same way a day later, I'd go, "Oh yeah, I know. I totally missed that one. My bad. Thanks for pointing it out though. Sometimes I miss them like and I can't help it and I try to so bad." And that's, you know, I'm not going to get off on a tangent on this, I promise, but that's one of the things about YouTube is unless you immediately engage in the comments, they don't promote your video. And if there's anything really bad in the comments and you don't delete it, you're legally liable. So Mm -hmm. it's like at the worst possible time psychologically that I would ever want to put myself in a position, I have to because of their rules. Like I would love to post the video and come back three days later and be patient to every, you know, everybody that's not crossed a certain line, but I fail every time at that too. And I just, you know, (laughs) and it's, it's, it's kind of like one of the things I think that you talked about right there is that YouTube switched around a lot of their rules and regulations and kind of be aware of aware of those types of things that you know sometimes it's it's for your own mental health sake for your own own sanity you got to take a break you can't burn out on those things because when when we go from zero to 60 it, it generally kind of gives us an idea that we're a little stressed and something is happening and that we need to kind of become more aware of it so we can not take that stress out on the people around us such as four minutes and 55 seconds just your obs sucks by the way <laughs> and you're like hey dude you know you could have probably said that a little bit in a, in a nicer way that definitely you know you've now commented that you've engaged in that stuff and now you've you can could have said it in a better way that's a truth statement you're not engaging you're not seeing anything negative and we're done you know, that's it. And if they want to respond, great. We'll have a conversation. But you, you also have to get that type of stuff out on on yourself as well, your your feelings of that. So uh, and I got to ask the other side of it just because it's something that everybody that creates any kind of content deals with. What about the far extreme of that? What about the people that are most likely there for whatever reason? Maybe it's their fault or not, but they're there to antagonize they're there to to just piss you off the only possible solution i have ever found to that is ignore one way or another Mm -hmm. Um, and in fact even on twitter i found that blocking is is actually playing into that because that's an answer so not only is that giving them the satisfaction of yeah i got them like you know now they could screenshot that block and create any narrative they want well bob blocked me because he believes aliens are controlling the you know whatever like so mm-hmm. I just blatantly ignore everybody that crosses a certain line and I just don't don't engage, I don't respond, I don't ask. Is there a better way to handle that? Or? No, you so what you exactly you've already said the the words is you don't engage. Um you don't you don't have to engage there. So it's it's like the idea of a of a phone. If someone texts you, do you feel the need to to always write back right away? 
Uh, I, depends on sometimes, the person. Yeah. <laughs> depends on the person, right? So people that you're closer to, you're you're more enti- you're more inclined to do that. But people that you're not necessarily close to, you're like, all right, I'm going to let it sit for a little bit. That's that's not engaging. You need, there's no one saying that you have to engage in something right away. You, you, you can take your time. You can formulate your ideas. And if someone wants to be a dick, let them be a dick. That's that's on them. That's not on you. That's not representative of who we are in a sense. But we always have this this need to be like, I got to get that last word in. Sometimes I got to I've got to engage this stuff, and it's hard to hold that tension. But I can tell you, nine times out of ten, by not engaging on that, it it goes away on its own. People stop doing that. It happens to us on Twitter all the time. We get we get tagged and and posts that are like, video game addiction doesn't have this is is a it's not really a problem. And then look at this house that got burnt down by a video game, and you're like. And that's clickbait. Um, and so we're not going to engage on that or, or anything like that. We, we generally don't get tagged by the same person twice. So that's actually something I, I've, I've always been fascinated about. And that I, there's no way we'd have enough time to go deep in it today. But um, that whole factor of creating a narrative, right? So, like, you know, no disrespect for what you just said of, like, you know, it eventually goes away. It very often doesn't, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm very lucky that I've only had a few stalkers and, and people that follow me around virtually to try to harass me. But I have friends that, like, their haters have built social media followings because of their hatred towards them. Mm-hmm. And it's all lies and it's all bullshit. And that links into exactly what you just said. And all throughout history, human history, ever since the caveman days, I imagine there was one caveman that said, hey, Cave Joe over there just uh, killed three people. Don't talk to him. And it's just because he, he was mad at Cave Joe or something. Like, I, As human beings, is it possible for us to even evolve to the point where we're not so easily influenced by just a, a better liar. Well, uh, we we could get into some deep politics here, but we definitely don't have the time for that. <laughs> um, <laughs> I would probably I would probably say that I I would love to think that people are going to to not do that one day, but I also think that everyone who usually hates on another person is generally jealous of them on some level. Mm. And that jealousy is really what eats away at that person. It's not necessarily the, like the idea of jealousy of like, oh, I wish I, I, I had thought of that first or something like that. It's more like the ally, the the idea of like I'm really jealous or I'm really irritated that this person's getting more traction in time than than I am on a lot of levels, and so to to kind of do that is yes, in your those cases that you said there are going to be times where ignoring it's not going to be helpful because there's a, a big thing kind of being built and. That's the whole thing with like Gamergate and everything like that. We're definitely not going to touch on that one um, <laughs> because that, that's that's a four hour conversation and, and I may not be the right person to to talk to about that. But the the idea um, behind that is to is to report that stuff and sometimes putting out a and if you have a blog or something else, putting out your your um your your views your your opinions on it and staying neutral but being like you know what don't really appreciate this this is not really appropriate and it, you can call it out for being bullying you can or or you can be to put your your stance on it and say this isn't really helpful like this doesn't solve anything this is just hateful language that's that's not not really great and what we tend to see at least in the research area a little bit is that it tends to dissipate it a little bit it kind of like puts a puts a little bit into a box where people are like oh i don't want to be part of this hate hate culture i don't want to be part of that and and they tend to like drift off a little bit but not all the time one thing that i i don't think uh, you know, obviously uneducated opinion here, but I don't know if there would ever be a solution for is when you have somebody that's just telling the truth versus a very charismatic liar, 
I've never in my life won in that situation. You know, did did you yeah. push Billy? No. Uh, and then Billy has a wonderfully spun story about why I pushed him. And it, it's just, it's, that actually happened to me when I was a little kid. And I just, I ended up in the, you know, in the principal's office, like just dumbfounded. Like, why, why am I here? I wasn't even in the playground that day. Like, what are you? And it just, I, I've never seen anybody in any part of life be able to win with that. You know, whatever's the, the juiciest thing to talk about today, it gets everybody all, all, you know, riled up over is what people want to believe and no one really actually cares what the truth is and i really mm-hmm. hoped that when social media came out i so di- i feel so dumb for actually have formed these thoughts but i actually had the naive thought of you know one of the biggest things that i've run into is those people you know that what, for me i loved heavy metal growing up i always just dressed like this but oh those people are satanists you know those people are dirty and don't, you know don't shower whatever part of the country you might have been in there was a those people factor and i really hoped that once social media came out and you could see that we're all pretty much the same i mean you know everybody's mm-hmm. unique every culture is different you could grow up on one street apart and be completely different people but we're all the fucking same yeah. i really yeah. wished that that was i really thought that that would be a window and it's been the opposite it's just been you know all of the people who think those people over here have grouped up against those people in every possible aspect and it just it's it's sad and i, I don't even i can't even fathom a solution for it it's we got to get out of the us versus them us me versus you mentality is we're we're all in this together and if people can look past our differences and and work together beautiful things can happen i mean look at look what we're doing where we work with key therapeutics we work with hundreds of people um to to do stuff in in the esports arena we we work with tons of different people too and it's because we, we don't always agree i'm on some boards where i don't agree with some of the stuff that they may or may not do or there are personal philosophies um, but you know what i still work with them because their mission's great they're they're what they're doing is great and we can work really well together and you know our beliefs can be different it doesn't mean that we can't work or, or be friends or stuff like that it's it's about being able to to take that and utilize that appropriately yeah i, I just think you know, as mad as anybody gets, you just have to remember that we all actually are human beings. And that was one of the things that, you know, I, I asked I asked beforehand, so everybody watching, I'm not setting you up for anything like that. We did I did ask you permission beforehand, but I did want to talk to you about your panel because I went mm-hmm. into your panel on um, gatekeeping because one of the biggest problems I have, I figured I could apply it to my, my website, is that people hear what we do and they think, mm-hmm. oh, I, I don't need to spend $1,000 and have the best perfect RGB setup when that's not what we're about at all. I, I, I'm accidentally gatekeeping ourselves because there's so many people that just want to plug their console into their TV. So I tried to get uh, tried to apply that to tips, and I thought I agreed with every single thing you said. I just was unhappy with what you didn't say. And I was hoping that you would either tell me I'm wrong because I never mind being wrong. I just would need it explained to me or, or kind of just give your perspective on that. Because essentially you were talking about different ways, that, which, you know, if you want to get into that, that's cool. But how to prevent keep gatekeeping, how to deal mm-hmm. with people when you see people gatekeeping others, how to step in and say, even if they don't have never, if their intention was never to gatekeep, to be able to step in and say, hey, this is actually what you're doing. And maybe you're being pigheaded now, which I'm very guilty of. Sometimes it takes my very loud, stubborn friends to you know, verbally smack me in the face and say, shut up, Bob, you're wrong. Like sometimes you need to step in. Sometimes you need to get a little over the top. But you always have to remember that that's a person on the other side that you're talking to. Mm-hmm. And, and sometimes you're completely right. And there was a... 
there there are some things that in that 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 panel that I don't necessarily um, fully wholeheartedly agree with, but I also don't have their experience. So, like say mm-hmm. for instance, some of the some of the things that uh, of uh, I'm trying to think of one of the ones of a, one of women kind of feeling like she was being gatekeeped against being a part of uh, of a culture or the video gaming culture or the D and D culture, and her response was like, "I'm going to call your crap out. I'm going to do it online. I'm going to I'm going to." bum rush you with all this stuff that that type of stuff is is not necessarily how i would have handled it how i would have done it something a little bit differently and and tried to be like well why can't i be part of this i know all these things i know all these things however i i am obviously white male and in 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 some places of uh, appropriateness and moderating a, a panel so power is, is kind of what it is it kind of comes down to and so in that case like I, I don't have that experience to to talk to that because if i see an obstacle i usually go around it or i plow through it um there's not that much that can usually stop me um but there, you are correct when there is someone else on the other side that may not be thinking about this stuff that may not be un, even knowledgeable that they are doing some sort of gatekeeping and that's very important to take into consideration when we respond to these types of of, uh, of, of abilities and, and focuses because we don't want to go and then um, demonize or hurt someone else um, on that. We don't want to be the one to, full, to throw the first punch. Most of the time, people don't may not even realize that they are gatekeeping or that they are, are doing something uh, wrong. And, and honestly, once we attack, everyone's defenses go up. And once defenses are going up, it takes a lot more energy and a lot more time to get them down again. Hmm. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's the it's the concert theory. Anybody that's ever been to any concert, any big crowd, if one side starts pushing, there are only two scenarios. You all fall down or you push back. There is no, like, let's talk this out. If a crowd's coming your way, you have to kind of steady things. And those are the moments where, you know, you're not thinking rationally, your fight or flight kicks in. And those are, mm-hmm. I've, I've been so guilty of that. You know, I have a friend that's known for Let's just say being a bit outspoken. And uh, I posted something one time that was 100% true. And the the directed anger was was correct. But how I worded it left it so far open for interpretation that if your life experience brought you down this path, it totally looked like I said something different. And mm-hmm. a friend of mine, you know, laid into me pretty hard publicly. And it took him doing that before I realized, wow, you you are totally right. I, I, you know, and I doubled down on my pigheadedness because I knew I was right. But the way I said it was totally wrong, should not have done it that way. It, my fault that everybody misunderstood. So I do understand and, and agree with when absolutely necessary, the whole like, okay, let's, let's attack. Let's, let's all go after it. Because sometimes it, you could actually be doing more harm if they didn't do that. Mm-hmm. But because it's my friend, that's the other reason is, you know, he's not out to ruin my life and, you know, destroy and cancel my website. He just, uh, you know, the the other side of that is being a victim of attacks that were 100% made up. They were just people that lied because that's their favorite hobby is trying to bring down other people. And mm-hmm. it, it just it just so happened that when I was sitting in that room was about a few weeks after that had happened to me when I really was doing the right thing. And it, it it just was, it did it definitely struck me the wrong way to hear everybody talk about the aggression side without anybody once ever stepping up and saying, but don't ever forget. And the one that the thing that did get me. So we're back. Um, so I'm going to edit this properly, but uh, I'm very glad we were not doing that live because I just started to go into something where 
I was kind of sounding like an asshole. And right when I got to the point where I was making an actual completed point, my internet went down for the first time since I moved into this place. It was one of the weirdest things. If it was anybody but you, I would have thought, did that fucking person just hit, just hang up on me? Like, <laughs> So I guess I will, uh, I will just skip to the end and say, I really wish because of the point in my life that I was in, which I realize how selfish and self-centered that is, but because of where I was in my life, I just had wished that you had all equally had made the point of if you're, if you're doing these things, if you're standing up for what you believe in, because you're getting the adrenaline rush of standing up and getting attention, it's not for the right reasons. Or also on the other side of that, if you really feel like you need to take someone down a peg, like I have been when I absolutely deserved it and when it was the right thing to have happened to me, do remember that there's a human being on the other side. And I did want to just ask, like, why didn't any of you go into that? Not once the whole panel. That's it's a great question. I think that the the overall idea of the panel was how how do we deal with with gatekeeping and not necessarily uh, like what is that person on the other side? So I think one thing that you're bringing up very very important point that uh, we hadn't even considered likely, and I'm gonna I'm gonna say that I didn't even consider it as the moderator of that panel. So two that's that's also a, a good thing to include if we ever do a, one of those panels again of what is a gatekeeper. How do we actually utilize this? And remember that there's someone else on the other side of this stuff. So we we don't want to go too far because then we put up again those defenses that we talked about um, a little bit earlier, and then nothing gets done. So why we didn't do it, I don't even know if any of us had had thought about that in, in that capacity because we focused a little bit more on what what is the experience to be gatekeeped and to have people kind of connect to that rather than the other other side of how do we do that. So that's that's a fault on on our end of of the presenters to to do that but also this is i think a really good point to, to kind of show that like, this is why we want to want to have uh, this type of appropriate feedback and conversation because then we can incorporate it into other things going forward yeah it uh it, it was it just struck a harsh chord with me because not only was i in that place in my life not only did i see a group of people that i respect i follow at least half of you uh, and an, another member of your team we have a uh, we don't know each other but we have a connection through another very positive group and i left venting and i, I kind of vented to a group of people that i was around and two of them just walked away and i found out later they were like oh bobs gets upset when people stand up for themselves he must be a horrible piece of shit he must be like some crazy you know like right wing nut job person and I'm like, wow, this is just getting worse as the day goes on, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think that that we probably missed that, missed that mark, and really need to uh, think about incorporating it going forward. But I mean, the fact that that is your answer to it shows where you all are, because the fact that you just said, oh, yeah, maybe, maybe you're right, and maybe we'll think about it. You're already one step ahead of the groups of people, you know, that that we're all waiting to move on. You know, the whole no, 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 that's what I said. So this is our, this is what we mean, and you have to take our word by stone. And the fact that you at least have an open mind to the comment reflects really well on you and your group. So. Well, I mean, it's it's called reflexivity. So in in our in our field, it's it's the ability to to take all the uh, stuff that's coming in our way and be like, huh, let's reflect upon that. Let's see how to how does it actually sound. And it's like you're making a lot of sense. I'm not gonna lie to you about that. Um, so I, I think that it's it's an aspect that we we fell short on, and to me that means that means we need to change it and we need to incorporate it forward. 
Well, I mean, the good news is one panel isn't going to change the world for the better or for the worse. So it's, you know, it's not like you could do that. And then next thing you know, half the room is going to go out and, you know, grab their pitchforks and go storm down people's doors. So that's certainly not the vibe at all of the panel. It was a very positive panel. It was very welcoming. There were people there that were speaking out and uh, that you could tell were very uncomfortable doing so. But you all laid out the you laid out the red carpet and allowed them to, to feel like they could talk uh, no matter what they said and, and would be mm-hmm. accepted. So... Overall, it was all very positive. I just I wanted to make sure in my ramblings that no one took that part the wrong way. It was just what was missing that hopefully now you'll just throw in in the next one. So yeah, I think that that we oh I I know we will. Um, hands down, it's important that we we incorporate that that feedback and bring it on in, in and utilize it appropriately. It's it's you're actually the first person to bring this to 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 our uh, my attention. So to me, that's that's very important. That even if we, if we if even if we pissed off one person, we have to figure out a way. How can we be more inclusive? How can we be more um, accepting of, of all these things and incorporate both sides? Because sometimes when we get into these uh, these panels and these these uh, conventions, where we can be one sided sometimes and, and not take the other side into consideration. Yeah, I mean, that's, uh, you could apply that to anything. I can't tell you how many times I've gotten in trouble for being silly on a podcast with a friend, and then somebody will take the four words I said out of context and say, did you hear Bob talk badly about this one thing? And it's like, ah, oh, that's my friend who designed it. No, of course I wasn't talking badly about it. We were being silly. Like, So, yeah, I, I completely understand, and I, I just, um, I don't know, it's cool that you, you're thinking of the other side. It is funny, though, that your panel was on gatekeeping, and the fact that there was probably a lot of other people that felt the way I did, but they were afraid to speak up, because today, you know, if you say anything that's not exactly agreeing with everybody else then you're immediately shunned which is exactly what happened to me when I you know when I walked out of the panel and it's just if you're if you don't agree with me 100% even 99% you're not one of us get out and that is that is very much the narrative of of all social media these past few years which is gross <laughs> uh, you know yeah. imagine if we are the only people in our lives agreed with us 100% how boring our lives would all be how how useless the projects we work on would all become it's just agreeing to disagree that's that's the definition of diversity (laughs) yeah i mean it it wouldn't we wouldn't fare very well i don't think we would survive very well at all right yeah i i hope i hope the world in general does a better job communicating that your actions on social media should be treated the same way as your actions in person but the narrative that you hear it's like people that used to believe the scary news teases in the 90s like that's not the world isn't burning like we're fine <laughs> you know you know that gi joe isn't going to choke your kid to death don't worry about it so but he might choke that cobra <laughs> <laughs> uh, um so uh, this was absolutely enjoyable i would love to do another one of these i'd love to not wait two years to do another that's my fault i should have contacted you sooner so um, i was that was my my fault too i mean we there's been so much going on uh clearly uh for in both of our <laughs> lives i think that it's it, it things dropped to the wayside i like even even when the technical difficulties were going on i went just looked at my email and i had 200 emails across three different emails and i was like oh god <laughs> <laughs> close that laptop till later like yeah. oh. and i'm like and we're not gonna look at those <laughs> <laughs> so um what is the best places to find you as well as all of the things that you're a part of i will of course make sure to link this in all of the descriptions but just to hear them out loud anyway absolutely so you, you can find me on twitter on video game doc 
that's that's my Twitter handle. But we also do the the Geek Therapeutics, which is really what we're doing because it's a publishing company and it's also a CE company. And we're going to be opening it up to um, if people want to take some of these videos, a subscription service where they can have access to like all the videos, watch them as many times as they want, that type of stuff, which is going to be super fun. So those are Geek Therapeutics all across all of our, our Twitter, social media, Facebook. It's all just at Geek Therapeutics, and you'll find us where we're the cool ones doing all the cool stuff. You'll Very see Final cool. Fantasy books, Zelda, all of our other all of our other stuff that we're doing. And those are all on available on Amazon and Audible as yep. well, right? Yep, uh, and Amazon, Audible, and directly from us too. If you want a signed copy, you just contact me, and we'll get that squared away. Awesome. And is there uh, wasn't there one more project that you were part of as well? Um, was the Telios project? Did I oh, that right? oh yeah, the Telios project. So that's the I run a nonprofit down here in Texas that does uh, therapeutic intervention and psychological uh, testing for uh, underserved populations. And so we we focus very heavily on everyone has an option to one get mental health services, but also um, we take all the crazy insurances that no one wants to because we know that it's it's a need down here and we want to make sure we serve the serve that need. Awesome. Well, uh, thank you very much for joining. I really appreciate your time. And, um, you know, hopefully we'll do this again somewhat soon. Absolutely. I agree. All right. Take care, Doc. All right. You too.